Hey everyone, it's Shane Leaning. Now this is a special bonus episode. It's actually a recording from our Global Ed Leaders live spaces. These spaces happen on X or Twitter every Thursday at 6pm in Shanghai, China time. And they're on a host of different topics. So we cover loads of different things each week. And the idea of them is that these are live spaces that anyone can join. And it's a democratic, totally open conversation, which means they can get a bit wild. We never know who's going to turn up. Anyone can join. Anyone can talk. Anyway, this week I was privileged to be co-hosting with the brilliant Dan Gerard, who is a music teacher. He's based out in Penang. And we were talking about the question of why do we teach music in school? Because this has come up from a few different people on the importance of music education within schools, particularly within international schools. Although in this conversation, we talked a lot about the British education system too. We had a couple of people join. We had about five people in the conversation as active speakers. Uh, but I think you'll enjoy this conversation. So it's just a bonus episode. It's raw, it's unedited, and I hope you enjoy it. This is our Global Ed Leaders Live space where we go live every week to discuss any topic really um, around, especially around international schools. So like in the past, we've talked about AI in international schools. We've talked about the, the state of growth for schools, like, you know, a lot of schools now making lots of profit and being bought by big groups. We talked about that. We've talked about um, potential teacher workload load things. So loads of different topics. And this week, actually, well, a few weeks ago now, Dan, wasn't it? We were chatting over WhatsApp and we were just chatting about um, music education. And, um, you know, you've had some some worries, some concerns. And I think there's been some kind of debating happening in, in the music education space as well. Um, and it's kind of really important for us international schools as well, because I think in international schools, um, music has, you know, has a role to play as well. So it's be good to kind of chat with you today to Dan on how you feel, but maybe you can introduce yourselves to those who, who tune in live or afterwards, Dan. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Dan Gerard. I'm a um, primary music teacher. Well, actually not primary now. Um, <laughs> I'm a pri- I was a primary music teacher at a school um, called St. Christopher's over in Penang in Malaysia, but we've actually been moving into secondary now. So I'm also teaching year seven and eight. So I teach from nursery to year eight in Penang in Malaysia and it's solely music. So that's, that's what I've been doing. When you've been, you've been teaching internationally for most of your career or how no, long was, were you in the UK? Um, I was in the UK for about 10 years. And then I, for about, um, about 12 years now, I've been um, teaching internationally. I taught in Bermuda, in Thailand, in Kuwait, um, and here in Penang. So go on then, Dan, let's, uh, let's flesh this out. So for anyone actually who doesn't know Dan, Dan's actually been an actual guest on my podcast um, um, a good few months ago now. Um, and we were talking about traditional education then, so slightly different topic. Um, but so, Dan, what's your, let's kind of like to kick off maybe a bit of a, a big question for us to kind of figure out. Like the question in the title of this space is why 
do we teach music in school? I wonder if we maybe start to go, why are we even asking this question? Why is this question relevant? Wow, what a big question to ask. Well, the reason it's relevant is because there seems to be a huge amount of confusion. You, you go and ask people who are not music teachers what the point of music is in school, and they'll give you a hundred different reasons. But what's probably a little bit worse is that if you, if you ask about, let's say, 10 music teachers about um, what, why we teach music in schools, they'll give you 10 completely different answers as well. Um, I don't think we are very, very good in the music education profession of actually stating what our objectives are. And it's probably because um, it does mean different things to different people. So uh, is, it, is, it, is it because there's a bit of a debate? Like, do some people go, oh, music is, is just about um, what? Like, some people are like, it's about performances and it's get, about getting kids to put on performances for parents. Is that... And some people are like, no, it's different to that. Is, is there a, like a tension between like the purpose of why we do music in schools, do you reckon? Um, my goodness, yes. So you can get all sorts of things. There are some teachers who really, really think that um, music shouldn't even be there. There are some who think it should be like an extracurricular activity, but not actually part of the curriculum. There are some people who think it should be on the curriculum. Um, and then there are some people who think it shouldn't be past key stage three. And it's just so many, and it's very basic. There are people who are, who don't know. Yeah. That's what I would say. Mm. Mm. Uh, this is, yeah, this is really interesting to me because I started, I started my career well as a cover teacher, but teaching music and teaching GCSE music at the start of my career. And, and I just kind of fell into that. I, I, I changed later. Um, but yeah, I guess what's on my mind is when we're thinking about music in schools, is the purpose of it for allowing students just to explore something that's different from their general academic subjects or like, is it actually developing a skill like a transferable skill within them that? is going to be useful for the rest of their life. Because I guess that then paints a picture of where it should sit within the curriculum. I know you've talked a bit in the past, Dan, like about whether it should be a core part of the curriculum. And I think in international schools, is, is it, would I be right in saying it's maybe a bit more prioritized? Because I mean, you t you, when we worked together before, Dan, you were, you were teaching primary music and as a specialist music teacher which I, I never, you don't really see very often in the, in the UK. Yeah, I think. And by the way, well, welcome Freya to the room, by the way. Welcome English teacher abroad. Welcome to the room. Feel free to join in. Sorry. No, so, so it's great. Welcome Freya as well. Um, I would say yeah, international schools. Yeah. Music is, is actually every time I've been to any international school, music has been something that is important for them. I think they know that, um, in the end, all these international schools have to be good at things like maths and English and the core curriculum. But, you know, you have to to get parents to come to your school. You have to be offering something else. So music is definitely something that they, they, that they really appreciate because it is offering something extra to what is expected on um, um, for, for, most, for most parents. That's why I would say that. Mm. 
So there's definitely a difference. That sounds, sounds a little bit like that's just a bit of a bolt-on. <laughs> Sometimes when you, yeah, well, it depends on, it, you know, a lot of it all comes down to leadership and what vision the leaders have for music. But um, I, I've seen it in different ways. I have seen some as a bolt-on and some people who treat it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. So I would definitely say there's a difference between international and um, in the UK. You know, in the UK, um, it's not that it's not important, but they're not having to try to get to get bums on seats. <laughs> so um, they they don't have to offer it as as explicitly as a lot of international schools do. I think that's my opinion, anyway. Do you reckon? I, I wonder if it's like different depending on the country you're in as well, because you like being important to parents and I am I'm almost wondering like do some do some schools put music on the curriculum because it really appeals to the parents because the parents are wanting a creative education for their children but would would some parents you know if we were to kind of split parents very crudely would some parents be like you know I'm after academic results um music is only valuable if it's going to help my child get into university um, I don't. I wonder. I, I haven't heard that. Every, every most of the parents I've talked to have been very, very positive about music education. But I guess that's because the ones I hear from are the ones who want to talk to me about music education. Perhaps the ones who don't talk to me aren't, aren't that bothered about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have some quite heated debates online, Dan. I see. I see that. I see. Uh... You have these kind of conversations, so it's it's kind of interesting to hear the different perspectives. And by the way, just to uh, say welcome, Amit, to the room. We're just this is like and and English teacher abroad, Freya as well. We're just having an open conversation about what the role of music is in schools and trying to get as many opinions in um, as possible. So feel free to request the mic. It'd be great to hear if you have any ideas on this. It's uh, an open, free conversation. So. Dan and I don't want to hog the microphone. Having said that, um, Dan, you've got a lot of knowledge and a, a bit of passion in this area. Like, would are you are you worried? Like, have, have, when we were chatting a while ago, I, I, I kind of sense maybe you had a bit of worry of where the priority is for music in schools. Yes, um, I am worried, and I'll explain to you why. So um, at the beginning of my career, I trained as a secondary music teacher, and um, we were told a little bit about how music actually came onto the curriculum in the first place. Now, for a lot of people here, it's um, ancient history, um, but I think it's actually quite important now. So we know that in the British um, national curriculum, uh, music is its own subject, but dance isn't and drama isn't. And um, I was told by my lecturer, I don't, this is secondhand information, I don't know how true it was, but I was told it was actually quite late on that they decided to put uh, music as a core curriculum subject. Um, they were thinking perhaps music should be like drama and dance and be uh, possibly attached to something else or, or just an extracurricular subject. And um, it was down to quite a lot of people in sort of um, music education circles and especially a guy called Keith Swanick, who we've probably heard about a few times. Um, he wrote a book in 1988 calling um, Teaching Music, Teaching Music Musically, I think it was. And he was able to, um, well, my son here is, wants to feed fish. <laughs> Sorry, Keith Swanick, um, he said that, um, that uh, 
he gave musical reasons why music should be on the curriculum. I'm going to pass it back to you, Shane. <laughs> no worries, mate. No, you go, go, Ted, to your son. I'm really interested to hear about um, Keith Swanick. We can come back to that. Um, I just want to welcome to the room Lynn as well. Welcome to the room, Lynn. I see, I just clicked on your profile. I see you're a clarinetist, which um, um pretty interesting. Love, would love to hear your thoughts on on why we teach music in school and whether you think it's an important part of school. I've heard from some people where they say, do you know, it can be a part of school, but it should be um, kept as an extracurricular, like after school, orchestras, choirs, that kind of stuff. But actually in curriculum time, we should be focusing on more quote unquote academic stuff. Um, Yeah. I'd love to hear what you, what you think, um, um, Lynn and, um, Oh, Lynn, your your mic, you're on the mic. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, I'm well. I'm I'm retired as the CEO of Music Education Hub in North London, and I started a PhD looking at the contribution that a music makes in the Key Stage Three curriculum to the well-being of young people. So I'm kind of two thirds of the way through. This is my fourth year. Um, and I, I just think music, looking at reading all the philosophy behind it, and incidentally, Keith Swanick was one of my tutors when I did my music, uh, my master's in music education many years ago. And um, looking at all the philosophy behind it, I mean, music is its own ontological being. It isn't like the other subjects. It has many, many layers to it, you know, physically, elementally, philosoph- philosophically. And mm. I think that the mistake that some head teachers and, and senior learning teams in schools make is thinking, oh, well, you know, we don't have to do this in the English baccalaureate, so we don't need to do it. But there are other head teachers that do really appreciate the value of all of the different layers of music education, both the extracurricular, the instrumental lessons, the bands, the orchestras, the choirs and the teaching that goes on in the classroom. And, you know, very sadly, there was a report in 2019 showing that 50% of schools in England do not teach music at Key Stage 3, which I think is quite shocking. <laughs> wow, really? That, that's fascinating. Uh, uh, thank you so much, by the way, Lynn, for, for joining in on, on this chat. It's really valuable to have you here and your experience. So, so you you're saying do you, your view is that it's generally down to the leader in the school as to whether it's prioritized i guess it's like um well, it's not that their budgets are all stretched there's all sorts of things they have to pay for crumbling buildings extra pension costs for the teachers and the things that matter to them um are often they have to prioritize the stem subjects I think there's a, there's a book by Pam Bernard at Cambridge University uh, from STEM to STEAM, you know, how important it is that we have the STEAM subjects, not just the STEM subjects. And we have arts in there as well as the science, technology, English, English and maths, which are all very valuable. But the kind of, the, the kind of um, um, diet that the uh, Department for Education will give is that, oh, music is a universal language. And I think that's actually quite damaging to music education. It's so much more than that. Uh, it's like, for you, it's almost like it's being reduced. Um, 
in how it's de- how it's described that's probably not ma- that's meaning it's being deprioritized that's right that, that's correct but i you know i'm still at my retired age very passionate about it and why i'm putting myself through a phd not for some <laughs> glory or the glory of having doctor before my name but just to add to the conversation um i i have no intention of becoming a professor at a university i just think there's a lot more research needs to be carried out in music education to strengthen the argument behind it yeah and, and i love that i think dance and art and drama they're equally valuable for their own sake um i don't think we have to describe them in terms of academic achievement or or maths mm. or language or anything like that it's its own thing for sure for sure amit amit what, what do you reckon thanks yeah hi all hi lynn thank you so much um that i completely agree so i I trained as a secondary music teacher back in 2008 um and have seen have seen music done really really well in a number of schools but also not so well but your point about just how crucial it is in terms of a young person's holistic development um outside of you know the academic context or curriculum is is really important and i think there's an interesting separation in terms of leaders priorities in schools between curriculum and culture where i've seen music delivered incredibly well is where there's just an expectation that music is part of the very fabric of the school that we celebrate as a community through music we learn in music we we have a common uh language in music um so that it's it's a part of the culture of of school life but also it's recognized and I'm I'm never a fan of separating music from this idea of academic subjects because music can absolutely be academic. And so where we've got the culture, great, but also where I see leaders, even with the pressures of EBAC um, and other you know, budgetary constraints, really recognising that in the breadth of their school, with the breadth of young people and expertise, they have to, or they're doing them a disservice, put on a broad curriculum. And that includes music at... IGCSE, A level, IB, or equivalent, um, and that's that's a tough call. But it does it really does come down to the leaders in those real change making positions to decide what is and isn't important. And actually, we bring to those roles, don't we, our conditions, our experiences, whether we followed a particularly creative or non creative path. Um, and so we have to really tune in, I think, as leaders to the needs of our young people and the community, but ensure that it truly is broad. This term broad and balanced has been knocking around forever. Um, and music, I think, is is one is one crucial element of that curriculum. Um, and I, I joined the conversation, I think Shane and Dan were talking about what it looks like in other countries. And that's a really interesting point. So for a year, I, I worked in China setting up a, a school, um, and you know, different. There are different cultural expectations, or different different cultural conditions in in China than there might be from here. I'm I'm of Indian origin, and learning an instrument is not an expectation, and, and you know, from my in my heritage at all. In fact, it's it's considered a bit of a waste of time these days because you know, me and my cousins were pushed into completely different directions. I was blessed to be able to embrace music. But it is a really interesting point. And where I was when I was working uh, at the school in, in China, 
all of our young people, even those in in you know preschool, were, were pretty much learning an instrument, and there was a cultural expectation that that would be done. And actually, the the reasons, having spoken to parents, was that they wanted their young people to be all rounders. Now, it wasn't necessarily they wanted them to be well and to connect with themselves and to find a creative safe space, which is for me the reasons I think all young people should have some involvement in music. I think it was also because they wanted a really full, well-rounded CV, but it's a really, really interesting space. I'm talking an awful lot, so I'll pause now and hand over to someone else. Loving, I'm loving that. I mean, I, and uh, and yeah, great that you were you were in China. I, d- I didn't know that. I'm based in Shanghai, um, in China right now. I like that you were the way you said we maybe shouldn't be se- separating it from the academic subjects like music can't be academic. I think that's kind of something that's done a lot, that narrative. It really is. It really is. I mean, I entered music through, you know, um, air quotes, a non-academic route. So um, I'm a trained singer, but, you know, theory came to me later. I rammed it in because I had to, but I was someone who just jammed out in practice rooms. And when I was at school, found my safe space um, in the music department and then realized, wow, like, the learning here is really deep and really actually transformative in a way that the other academic subjects, again, air quotes, weren't for me. You know, I loved English, really enjoyed science, but music was really where I was geeking out. And that's where, you know, I realized it can be academic. And, you know, as a head of music and head of faculty later, leading A-level and IB courses, you do get some incredibly switched on, you know, interesting, articulate creative yes in terms of creating and performing music but also really interested in the academics of music so i i am a i am a big fan of like doing away with the separation of creative and academic when we talk about curriculum when we talk about subjects because i do think that music drama dance um design technology should really be inherent in in our curricula um, and there should just be, I'd love to get to the point where there is just an expectation that absolutely we learn these things because they're important for us in life, but also for our well-being. So um, that's that's the dream. Can I just, um, can I just come in here for a second? Um, so, yeah, go for it, Dan. So I, I, that's absolutely fantastic. I think everybody, well, not everybody, but most people I speak to who's really passionate about music would agree with you there. I, I, I want to ask if I'm, I'm being a little bit, um, it's not negative, but I, I'm worried and I just want to know if I should be worried. So um, I've been told um, basically two facts. One is that um, I think it's GCSE and A-level has gone, the entries have gone down a lot. And then the other one, of course, in um, primary schools is that music is the most um, unpopular subject for class teachers to teach. Um, my worry is that they might just take it off the curriculum. Um, do I need to be worried? Does anyone want to say anything there? I can't hear anything. I'm not sure if I Did you hear me should there? be able to hear anything at the minute. Yeah, I can hear you, Dan. I don't know. I mean, can you hear me? I can hear yeah. you. Can you oh. hear me now? Dan? Is that better? Yeah. You were loud and clear to me, Dan. I don't know. Lynn and okay. uh, Freya, did you? could you hear Dan? Yes, I can hear him. Yeah, I, I think I think the problem is that the um, the nature of the new model music curriculum in the UK in in English and Welsh schools is is very reductive. I think it's it reads like an associated board syllabus, 
And I think, you know, we need to go back to Keith Swanick and teach music musically and take care of the the elemental journey that one would need in order to get some kind of deeper understanding, I think, as Amit talked about, in one's musical life. <clears throat> Completely agree. I, I didn't hear Dan, so I'm sorry, but just that what you just said there, Lynn, really, really resonates. Um, and, you know, working in, in big, comprehensive schools in London, you know, that, that was the way in, the music making, workshopping, you know, musical futures, which we don't hear so much now, which is a fantastic initiative, Paul Hamlin Foundation, which is all about young people getting in a room, picking up an instrument, following some simple structures and experiencing the effects of, of making music in collaboration, which is just so powerful. And that, for some of them, is is that hook it's that first experience of of music and and also the the point about it being reductive i completely agree certainly in terms of di- the diversification of of what music musical styles traditions um our young people are exposed to you know are they learning about music from around the world do they understand the interconnectedness of that do they understand where privilege and oppression come in and how there's so much more than just a good tune or clapping a game in time, you know, and that's, I guess, I guess why I come back to the academic point. Um, but yeah, singing, singing together regularly, just so, so powerful. I I think the danger is that music gets reduced to an activity rather than a kind of deeper, meaningful part of the the whole process in school and as you say there are some fa- there are some fabulous schools i've been into them and seen fabulous music departments where it's done really really well but there are others where music for whatever reason doesn't have the same value yeah i i completely agree and that's really sad that's where we've got inequities isn't it in music and that's that's the thing that we just need to keep trying to tackle but i do think that does come down to leaders and their priorities um, and and the more re- limited reductive curricula and the framework they have to work in. But, um, yeah, I completely agree. Well, for those of us that um, have taken the challenge of researching music education, I think we will continue to fight the good fight. So, Absolutely, yeah. Okay, I wonder, like, oh, oh Dan, Dan, did you hear all that? You, I heard all hear, that. Can you all hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Okay. Um, Amit, can you hear Dan? Yes, we can. Really strangely, I can't. I seem to have <laughs> muted just Daniel. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might, Amit, it might be worth dropping out the call and coming back in sometimes. I've heard that this has happened on Spaces. Me and Dan were talking at the beginning that. about like uh, this, and I can bring you up to the mic again when you come in, see sure. if that works. Will do. Um, Go for it, Dan. And Freya, I'd love the English teacher's perspective on this as well. So feel free to chip in. Sorry, Dan, go for it. Yeah. So um, what I was trying to say before, and poor it has gone out, so he's not going to hear it again. It's, it's basically, I want to know whether we need to be worried. So do you think that they're going to take music off the curriculum in the near future? So that's what I'd like to hear, whether I am being a bit silly and a bit... um worried or whether we should be a little bit worried about it do you reckon that's a real risk dan like that 
that some, what are you thinking just like individual leaders might just take it off in their school or you think like at a system level, there's genuine worry that some systems will just remove it. And I mean, and Lynn, you mentioned about the EBAC, which having not been in the UK for a while, and I'm not so familiar with, so I don't know if you were saying that music is maybe not a part of that. Is that kind of li- linking into what you're talking about, Dan? What I'm worried about is that any government that comes in, whether it's Labour or Conservative in, in England, they'll probably want to do something about the curriculum. Um, of course, I'm, I'm looking at it more from a primary a- angle. Um, we know that the research says that um, it's a very unpopular subject for class teachers to teach. We know that class teachers are complaining they've got too much to teach. And it would kind of, I don't want to say make sense, but it would be understandable that there could be some people saying, well, you know, drama and dance, they're not actually on the curriculum. Perhaps we should do the same to music. It could be more of an after school thing that could happen at like three or four o'clock after school. Perhaps we might even be able to have time for, we, we might say that all schools need to do something after school or something. That can be the music. And um, yeah. That's my worry. I think because I've been in the room for a hell of a long time, I mean, I was involved in music education for about 45 years. My own experience in primary schools is that it was usually very successful if the school had a dedicated subject person for music that they brought in. So they had a music teacher come in to teach music and run the choirs and bands, orchestras, groups, whatever, depending on that teacher's skills and uh, and instruments that they could play and teach. And I, I think that um, because budgets have been stretched, you know, head teachers are more are more keen to have their their own classroom teachers deliver music. And you've got kinds of some online resources like Charanga that helps classroom teachers to do this. But I think it becomes a bit kind of tokenistic. It's it's a bit of tokenism that, oh, well, okay, let's stick the whiteboard on. Let's, let's uh, deliver charanga um, because that's what we've been told we can use. And I think um, while it's very welcome that these resources are there, I, I don't think that in initial teacher education, there is enough time spent on helping trainee teachers to understand how to teach music so i don't know if it i don't know if it will disappear from the curriculum i think it's i think it's unlikely because i think um i think the government whichever party gets into power will, will kind of think oh well you know we can't appear to be uncultured here we've got to we've got to recognize that there are some artistic endeavors that we need to have somewhere in the curriculum but I think the secondary curriculum, it's certainly in danger, as I say, with 50% of schools not teaching music at key stage three at all. Is there a legitimate argument, Lynn and Dan, like that, that because dance and drama are not, are not as, um, as prescribed, you know, in, in, in curricula or in national curricula, that if you lump it together with music, that music could just be as easily deprioritized or absorbed into other subjects. I, I think, you know, talking to my uh, 
former colleagues in the music club that I ran, you know, they're, they're finding that lots of children these days are going to stage schools on a Saturday morning to, to take part in their dance and drama because they're not getting it in their schools. So I think likewise, dance and drama is at risk of disappearing from the curriculum. And then suddenly in a primary school, you'll get the head teacher at Christmas say, OK, we now want a nativity. So everybody has to sing and dance. And, you know, and once a year, the, the school will take part in a music festival where the children will go and sing. And what will happen is that the uh, class teacher will perhaps put on the latest pop song on a CD player and get the children to sing in a range that's not suitable for their voices and, and just present this performance of a bit of dancing and singing and it's not happening the rest of the year. It's definitely not like structured or like academic in the way that Amit described earlier as well. It's, you know, it's kind of bringing to mind for me. Um, I wor worked with a group of schools and they were running like a collaboration with the Juilliard school and the way and Dan will know about this, Dan's worked in that school, but like there was a tension in some of the schools that I worked with that they were trying to teach in this Juilliard way, which was all about creation and the, the, the students kind of creating their own, their own stuff. But there was a real tension between what they were doing in their music lessons and their drama lessons and dance lessons and actually what the leadership of the school wanted which was a performance, a performance, a show, like a musical, you know, something, something flash. Um, and so there was like this tension in so many of the schools that I worked in between the purpose of music, between what some of the music teachers were trying to aim towards to develop in the students and what the leaders, the leaders actually wanted of it. I guess it speaks to what you were mentioning about it, it depends on the leadership of the school and what, the, the principal or the head, what their passion is. Dan, what, what, what are you thinking? What are you thinking, mate? Yeah, well, we definitely had that issue, which um, I completely understood it from everyone's point of view. It's just that we were kind of stuck in the middle. Um, but I've seen it in other schools as well, not just the, the one that we worked in. That um, I, I've even seen it within one person, somebody who was doing um, you know, a lot of creative work and everything, and then, of course, the performance was coming. And then he basically sacked it all off. And then we're going to do this performance and make sure everything is also like a completely different way of teaching. You had like two different ways of, of teaching. And um, one was very prescriptive and one was a lot more creative. And we kind of have to do that, I guess, because there is a pressure on us, especially in international schools, to, to have performances at certain times. And um, yeah, that's what I'd say. Cheers, Dan. That's that's really helpful, and, and and thanks again, Lynn. I wonder, Freya, I can see you there. So, do you do you have any thoughts on this? And you know, no worries, no worries if if not. This is a um, different subject to what you generally do, and and also, how yeah. are you feeling, Freya? You've not been well lately, right? No, I haven't. I've been ill for a week now, and my voice is still, as you can probably hear, a little bit dodgy. So, um, yeah, I'm hopefully on the mend, ready for a or holidays next week so we'll see um well, hey. yeah well hey holidays uk here we come um 
I think as an English teacher, I mean, I think listening to to your talk has been really, really interesting. I think it absolutely has to have a place within the sort of academic curriculum. And it is an academic subject in that it's deeply theoretical, right? Um, I think from my perspective as an English teacher, we have a singing assembly every week and it's just absolute joy in terms of bringing the whole community of our school together um, we absolutely love it. Um, every every week we have a singing assembly. We learn different songs. We sometimes do makaton with it. Um, it's just a brilliant, brilliant way of uniting everybody and starting the day in a positive way. And I also, I guess, as an international educator, really love the CAS element of the IB programme because, you know, it is that recognition of how important creativity is for for students and their sort of mental uh, health and their well-being. And, having that outlet and I absolutely completely understand what Lynn was saying with regard to it can't just be seen as a creative kind of thing it has to be integral to the curriculum um but I do love that they give it that prominence in the IB program in that you know you you need to do something creative because it's really good for you and good for your soul and uh all of that as well so yeah I'm not a music specialist I, I I'm not coming at it from a music specialist angle but as a outsider uh, I think it's really, really important. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think I think I agree. Dan, how's how's this kind of this conversation feeling to you? Is it is it resolving that tension a little bit for you, or is is there is there like other concerns that are on your mind that that you want to chat about? Whoa, um I, I I can hear some very positive people who are talking about music in schools and about really really good things doing. So I don't want to be the the person who <laughs> who's being negative. Um, but I, I am I am still not. I'm still very worried. I am very very worried about it. Um, I'm just trying to think how I explain this. There are just from the conversations I have with teachers, especially those teachers who are coming off PGCEs and um, um, training, initial teacher training programs. Uh, my, my best friend is just finishing his PGCE. He's gone into education a bit later on in life after this is his second career. And he said they had the music lecture, you know. So, um, and then I've talked to people um, who are NQTs and we're talking like they have like one or two lectures in a four-year course for some of them. And I, I, I I I sometimes think this can't be right, but apparently it is. But I, I you know that's I just don't think there's any any proper training going on for initial teacher training. Um, the music service I used to work for, we had some really really good um, professional development, and it wasn't just for the music service; it was also for for class teachers. But from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, we were a bit of an outlier. They weren't all like that at all. And in some places, there was absolutely nothing. It seems to be very much dependent on leadership, like we've talked about, and also dependent on geography. So um, that's why I'm still worried. Yeah, I, I hear you, Dan. And I, I, I wonder maybe some people, you know, every week when we put this out, we get a few people joining. Sometimes it's a load of people. Sometimes it's a few. Um, but we generally get a lot of people catching up on the replay. So for anyone listening on the replay to this live space, I think it would be great to hear from you and to, to maybe ping a message below here on what your experience is, what, you know, what resonates with you 
in this conversation, see where that takes us. Um, before we kind of bring this space to the close, um, Lynn or Freya, is there anything you'd like to share, to reflect, or to ask the um, the group of people that we've got together now? I would say thank you for hosting the conversation because it's an important conversation that I think um, needs to carry on and there, there needs to be more um, awareness out there of of the problems of keeping music in the curriculum. So thank you. Well, thanks so much, Lynn. I mean, that means a lot. And it was, you know, it was Dan and I were just chatting and it was, you know, Dan was talking about it. So yeah, that's the idea of this space that is um, just, you know, for people listening is we've got this weekly space. We do it at this time every week. Um, we've only had a few so far, but the idea is just to give voice to educators. It's not quite like a talk radio. It's not um, fully a, a big interview that you listen to and then you get to ask questions in the end, but it's a fully interactive space. And I feel like these kind of spaces are so, so important um, in education at the minute, especially when you hear words getting thrown around like deprofessionalization of the of the sector and things like that. And the way teachers are often seen um, within societies in, in certain countries at the minute, I think there's some real challenges. So yeah, thanks, Lynn. It's nice to hear that you, you would value this kind of space and this, this kind of conversation and hope to keep, um, keep bringing value to uh, this topic and other topics each week. Um, Freya, I don't know if you've got any parting comments or, or, or Dan, if you, if there's any thoughts you'd like before we, before we square up the, the space today. Um, I'll just say, can you, can you hear me? Perfectly. Oh, God, super. Um, I'll just say that it's great to have had somebody on this space that um, is um, doing a PhD and um, retired from teaching. And it's great to hear somebody who's like head of department and great to hear people who are um, not music specialists and, and their opinion as well. Something I would like to hear is from people who are just starting so like I was telling you um, about my friend who's doing his BGCE, um, I'd like to have a little bit more perspective on people who had just come into the um, education profession and what their, their thoughts are as well. I love that. I think that would, that would be great. And again, yeah, if you're, if you're listening, you, you're, you're new to this or, 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 you know, you've just got some ideas, please do just comment below and we can always um, have a conversation in, in that way, or we can even put this as a theme again another week or host a pop-up another time to try get some more people involved in this conversation. Um, but I, I just want to say huge thanks, Lynn and, and Dan and Freya and Amit. I, I just found this conversation so rich and I'm so grateful um, to have you um, as, as, as colleagues in this um, community. Um, as we finish up, so this is the Global Ed Leaders Live. So it's all about international education around the world. And um, we do this every week at this time. So next week, um, I'm really excited. The theme is going to be how much can we learn on our own? Um, and I think this is going to be quite an exciting conversation because it brings up ideas of what, how much can students learn on their own, as in, how much do they need a teacher, especially thinking about the advances in, in technology? Is there, is there a lot that we can do on our own? But also as teachers, for our own professional development, how much is it realistic that we can do on our own or how much do we actually rely 
on communities and collaborations and structured professional development um, as part of, say, a course to drive our learning forward? Or can, as someone pointed said to me just this week, can we actually do most of our learning on our own by reading, by experiencing it in, in our classrooms? Um, and um, just by reflecting on our own practice without others. I think it's a really interesting question. And uh, if you, um, Dan Frey or Lynn, love to see you there if you fancy um, joining joining in that conversation, whether you want to contribute or just have a listen. Um, but let's, uh, let's round this space up. Thank you so much for, for coming along today. And um, yeah, I've um, added those who I wasn't connected with. Grateful to connect with you. Lynn. Um, and yeah, let's, um, let's all chat soon. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye.